Welcome into episode 93 of the House of L podcast. I am Lawrence Holmes. I thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Oh, so I'm I'm back from the Super Bowl. If you missed last week's episode, Laura Britt, I highly recommend you go back and check it out. It was a lot of fun, and there are not many people who know me in the business as well as she does, so it was fun to kind of go back and forth and talk with her. This week's episode is equally as dope, and we have a guest that's equally as fun, and we talked for a long, long time. Carrie Sayers is a... A ray of sunshine, man. And let me tell you something. We did this interview. This is one of those interviews where I invited someone to to the score to do it. Because Carrie used to work at the score. So having her come see the new studios, I wanted her to kind of check everything out, was really, really great. Whether she was working for Comcast, I think it was still Comcast at the time that Carrie was working there. Comcast Sportsnet or NBC Sports Chicago or working as a reporter and an update anchor and sometimes talk show host at the score. It it just, when she walked through the hallways, like everyone was just like, Oh my God, here's Carrie. And everyone wanted to give her a hug and see how she's doing and check on her kids and all that good stuff. And it's fun to have people like that walk around. And I was joking with her that I've only seen two people universally treated that way when they walk back into the score hallways one of one of whom's name is hanging up in the score hallway and that's terry boars terry boars chris ranji and carrie sayers that's it those are people who get universal love from every corner of the score family and it was great to see i love carrie she's so great and you if I mean, you already probably do but when you listen to this episode You'll hear why she's easily someone that you gravitate towards. She's also tough as nails, man. And we spent some time talking about her rugby days. Because if you didn't know, now you know. Uh, Carrie Sayers was a rock'em sock'em rugby player at the University of Michigan. Like, she's no joke. And you'll see inside our conversation her talking about still having a place to challenge herself athletically now that she doesn't really have the team component of, of what she did at college. She's doing some incredible stuff working on decades. If you haven't seen it, you've probably seen it. Like it, she's, she's working with Bill Curtis. Like, can you believe that? She's doing stuff on the decades network and they do these history, like retrospectives about decades, about some of the biggest places people and things that have happened to us in our country's history and she does an incredible job with it she's also moved into producing now which i think is great because i think you need people like her working on projects and and being a different voice in the media you know wilderness and so she's producing stuff for start tv network which is phenomenal and it does a lot of work trying to highlight positivity in women's characters. So Carrie's just, she's just badass, man. And we have a great conversation. It was fun to catch up with her. Um, she's going to make fun of me in here, as she should, because I forgot something that I shouldn't have forgotten. And she makes me pay for it in our conversation. But I hope you enjoy it, because I really, really did. It, it really like brought a spark to my day. To, to be around her energy. You'll be able to hear it as we're talking. So episode 93 of the House of L podcast, my friend Carrie Sayers. So I'm going to start with uh, my apology about forgetting you were at my wedding. So I feel bad. It was kind of a blur. <laughs> I couldn't remember how long ago it was. I, I haven't seen you in forever. No, it. I mean... I don't want to say it was at your wedding, but it might have been at your wedding. Well, then you had a baby, like right after that. I had a that. baby. I was pregnant at your wedding. We brought our daughter. That I, I now I, but it was all a blur. Now I remember it. I remember your. I actually remember your daughter, like, there. 
dancing yes. on the dance floor, a cute little family just dancing at your wedding. And I totally forgot. My husband trying not to go all fanboy on Peanut Tillman. Yeah, that was <laughs> that was um That was cool. I had a couple family members that I had to be like, "Hey, back off." The man's not here to tell you stories. You know what's weird about that is that I didn't approach him that day and I really wanted to. He was always very kind and I felt like you know, we had an acquaintance with each other sure. from all the time I had covered the Bears, but I didn't want to approach him while we were at your wedding. And then afterwards, I felt weird about it. Like, hey, why not? I could say hello and not have it appear as though I'm fangirling because I don't do that, right? When you're in sports like that. But I felt bad afterwards. Like, I should have gone over and just said hello to Peanut, introduced him to Matt and Lily. You know what's weird? Now, in retrospect, I mean, at the time, obviously, Charles is the most famous person at my wedding. Now it's Spice. Oh, he is amazing. Can I just tell you, he cracks me up. I love that man. I wish I had the chance to work with him more. He's crazy. And and I mean that That's in the best possible him. way. He's so great. It's it's really wonderful to see you and like walking you around the hallways here. Every I couldn't believe that you actually had a gift for baby Shep. Of course I did. I worked with Shep for a while. I know. When but, he was just a young boy starting out in the business. But the idea that you were like, oh, well, I was like, where are you going? And you had like a perfectly beautifully wrapped gift for the baby. You know, it gives the appearance that I actually have it together. But it just so happens that, you know, I had been checking out social media. They had a baby. I don't even know if I have spoken to them since they even got married, which I was thrilled about. And I'm like, wait, I'm going to be there with Lawrence. I've got to get them a gift. In the meantime, you forgot to tell the part about how the bag and the box were in the back of my car. One of my kids stomped on it. The other one put their backpack on it. So here I am. I removed it from the bag that had a footprint on it. I give the box that has like, cr it's crushed on the bottom. So I'll tell the rest of the story. I, I am kind of a hot mess. This is like what parenting and working and all this stuff does. But yes. I still adore. I was here for over five years. It hot mess is not something that I really associate with you, really, because you do a great job of making it look easy, well, like thanks. you're always together. <laughs> so, so how awesome. are you I'm a fooling hot everyone. mess? I mean, just and I tell my good friends this, especially in the new community. We moved to the Burbs and took the plunge like a year and a half ago, and I feel like. I had these two or three phenomenal friends who literally dragged me through that year. Hey, I signed so-and-so up for this. Would you like to be a part of it? Hey, my daughter's going to be uh, a Daisy Scout. Would you like to join? Otherwise, I think I would have missed 75% of what, as a family, we did and what I signed my daughter and or son up for. It just takes a while. It's just mass chaos, it feels like, all the time, but... I'm glad, you know, they say fake it till you make it. And so hopefully, apparently I'm faking it enough to uh, give the appearance that I've got it all together. Were Good you know. sad to leave the city? It was really tough because as I was saying to you, my husband and I both, we had jobs that kept us moving and certainly my job working all hours of the day and night and holidays and weekends, it was hard to establish friendships and moving to the last place we had in the city, which was Walking distance to Wrigley, but far enough from the riffraff, right? Um, we had made some amazing friends. And really, I will say, for the first time in my life, I had set roots somewhere long enough to make really good friends. And, of course, we all had kids in school together. And we'd have these, you know, random, hey, it's 4 o'clock on a Friday in the summer. Anyone up for a drinking play date? And just last minute, and we started traveling with them. So I think in the craziness of building the house in the suburbs and doing all that, we were able to push that to the back of our minds, how hard it was going to be to leave them, not just leave the city. And when we got out to the burbs and we finally got settled in, it's like, oh, we have these amazing new friends out here. But, you know, just your heart, like, oh, we miss them. And we still spend time with them, just not as much and probably not enough. But that's the part that was harder. And it is different. It's a good community. We live in Elmhurst. Great community to live in for our kids, to raise your children. Plenty of opportunities to do things. Um, you know, and then there's obvious things that you miss about the city, but we feel like we made the right move. But there are those moments where we miss it and we miss our friends. Do you miss sports? Absolutely. Could, how could you ask that? Because, I mean, Come on. the job that you have now is pretty great. 
and and it gives you the opportunity to be super mom. So I wasn't sure if you missed because sometimes like we th- I think about it like being a beat reporter and I have those moments where I'm like, man, I, I miss being in the middle of you miss being a beat reporter. That's what I'm saying. Like <laughs> I, I miss there are certain moments where I miss being a part of it. But a lot of the time I'm like, oh, I'm good. So I'm wondering if you got out of it, if you if you I know you still love sports, but if you miss the grind, the fact that you have to give up holidays and work a lot of nights and end up traveling to places on holidays, which is the worst. It is. So that's why I asked, do you miss it? No, fair enough in that sense. I mean, let's be honest. Nobody loves working holidays, weekends. um, So all of those things, being able to have a family and be present for my kids more often I still work three days a week, but to be able to be present for my kids more often, to have more flexibility in the job I'm currently in, if someone's sick or if we want to take off early on a vacation to juggle my days, that would not happen in sports. Um, But yes, I mean, none of us feel like we should be maybe, you know, that wrapped up in this identity of of what we do. Mm. But the reality says that when I had my first child, um, she's seven and a half now, that it took me a while to find my footing. And I think in a way I still am where I'm still, I still want to be challenged and there's still things I want to do. And there's new things that kind of come up as these great ideas every day. And yet, you know, your main job is as a parent and as a mom, and I want to be there for them and I want to do that. Um, but I have a job that's definitely more manageable with kids. It just doesn't take away from you know, some of the excitement and the opportunities you get when you're a beat reporter, say, or even just, say, working and covering the sports teams you have an opportunity to in a given town. And certainly here in Chicago, they were all equally amazing to cover. There are moments where there's a pang there like, oh, gosh, is there a way that I could maybe even just, you know, get on an anchor desk part time or, gosh, find a part time reporting job that doesn't exist. It just doesn't exist anymore. I would love to just tailor a job that would perfectly work out so I could do everything, but that doesn't happen in sports. So there are moments when I'm there watching a football game and we've got all of our friends over and we're having a couple pops and our kids are playing in the basement. Do I wish I was at that game? Sometimes. Yeah, the reality says this is my new life. I actually have a life now, whereas I didn't really have a social life before. I feel like it's always been... I have a social life or I have a job. Rarely have I been able to combine the two because of what I chose for my profession. And and Michelle McMahon and I were talking about the concept of identity wrapped into your profession. Who is Carrie if she's not covering sports? So once you left sports, was there any identity crisis that ended up happening? Because you spent, I mean, the majority of the first part of your life as an athlete. So to move away from sports, did you feel a a loss of sense of self? A little bit. Not only because you're not doing what, I mean, I had worked so hard and for so long and given up, sacrificed so much to get to where I was. And, and largely back in my day, because I'm older, there weren't the opportunities for kids to start getting training in college and, you know, do a lot of the stuff, you know, even in high school where you're getting training on the job and people are teaching you how to get into that business. I was learning it a lot on the fly and teaching myself. So to have invested so much and given up so much to get there, and then all of a sudden I get let go by Comcast um, in my late 30s and start freelancing for Fox 32 and the Big Ten Network and Score and the Score, and I have a life and I get to pick and choose what I'm doing, and then I decide I want to have kids and I'm making this this choice, like, am I going to give up what I'm doing? And I remember Zach Zaidman actually played a pretty big role in helping me let go a little. And it was Fox 32 was offering me, I had been freelancing for them for two years. They'd offered me a full-time job to be the weekend anchor. And here I was, I had met my now husband. He was a banker. So he did, you know, he worked weekdays and sometimes early and late, but never weekends. And here I was going to give up any probably all quality time I was going to spend with them. And I was going to have a baby for the first time, have my first child and all these things that I had hoped for in my life. 
and I was going to go back to being a little trapped in this schedule again. And I just couldn't figure it out. I couldn't make up my mind. And I remember Zach saying to me at Bears training camp, kneeling on you know the sidelines, and he said, Carrie, I haven't known you for that long, but this is what you've been talking to me about. You can never make the wrong decision if you're making it for your family. And it was like, and I'm going to get choked up talking about it. Duh. I mean, why, why was this so difficult for me to realize? Like, why? Because I knew I'd be probably giving it up for good. So, yeah, I'll never forget that choice in that moment because I, I knew that I probably wasn't going to get back there again, at least not at the level I was. But I had done it for 21 years, and it was, I guess, time to let go. With that said, here I, I get, ma- get engaged, get married, I'm pregnant right away, and, and then I had this baby and I was home, and then it was like, this is my new life. And I wasn't unhappy but there was definitely like this, what is my life going to be like now? You're giving your entire life to this child. And it wasn't the only one I wanted to have. So absolutely, it took me some time to figure out what my new life was going to be like. How am I going to feel relevant now in my own life? I mean, I obviously knew that I was playing an important role in my relationship and as a mom. But then it was like, how will I feel important, like on my own? So sometimes it's still like, even being, quote, or trying to be super mom, you still feel like, am I ever going to contribute more on the financial front? Am I going to get a full-time job again? When really, when I f- turn back and put the focus back on my family and what I want to be for them, that's all I really should be thinking about because the rest will come. Is is this an, uh, an inequity between men and women in our business and specifically sports where a woman on camera has a baby and everything that goes along with having a baby gaining weight looking different is it uh, is it easier for the 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 guy to come back from his wife having the baby and being on paternity leave and not being viewed differently of course <clears throat> you know but i wasn't the only one to be because i was still doing tv when i was pregnant I mean, it is not a pleasant thing to, they say the camera already adds 10 pounds and then try gaining 35 or 40 with a kid. It is not a pleasant sight. Um, I don't think it's as bad as you think it is. (laughs) But I will say, of course it is. I remember back when I started at Comcast and looking, and not just Comcast, there were so many men who were divorced and they were writers or in TV because the hours you're, you know, forced to keep, you're basically living the life of a professional athlete mm-hmm. and then some, because then they get to go home and you have to stick around to do a live shot. But we all knew this going into it. There were a lot of divorced men already. And I would think to myself, well, I wouldn't want to be married to him. And then I was in the opposite position. I'll never forget being in Buffalo near the beginning of my career. And in all places in Buffalo, out of four stations, three women were the beat reporters for the hockey team and they went to the stanley cup finals in 99 that's great dating myself now so i worked for empire sports in buffalo back then and they did this big feature on the three of us basically essentially it turned out to be an article on the fact that most of us were single i was not at the time um and that you know here we were living our dream without a social life and it was funny the way the article went it was true they were also i think kind of Hey, Buffalo, you are so progressive. You have three women that are covering this amazing hockey team. Um, So when I think about all that, yeah, it it is different. I mean, it's, I think, more accepted now. But when I watch people like Dion Miller and Megan Mowicki and people who have children who are traveling and still doing the deal with these kids, I, you know, I commend them. I admire them. I guess I just knew or thought at the time that that wasn't for me. I still feel good about it. It doesn't mean I don't go, I wish I had some of that. I don't fault them. Um, I would never critique them for keeping the job and being able to do it with the family. I just know sometimes working even three days a week, managing the household and making sure the kids have what they need and my husband and I have what we need, Sometimes I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can't even believe I got out the door today. I'm so proud of myself. 
Do you think that young people who get, and, and again, specifically in, into sports, realize what they they are signing up for? Because I think that people will look on the outside and be like, oh, I'd love to cover LeBron James, which you did when he was a high schooler. I'd love to go mm-hmm. cover a Bears game. And I don't know if they really understand what that entails. And like, if you're covering a noon kickoff Bears game, you're at Soldier Field, and do if you're doing live shots, you're at Soldier Field at eight thirty. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, and you're probably not out of there until seven. We did it. We've both done it. Yeah. So, so, do you think that that the, the people that might covet the opportunity to be Carrie Sayers understand that? I don't know. Maybe it's changed too. You know, I think when I look at how people had to work their way in and work their way up and how many more opportunities there are now, how many more platforms there are for kids coming out of school today to be a part of, whether it's social media or the digital um, networks and, you know, writing and blogging. And there's so many other things out there than there used to be when I first came up. But I remember when I came out of school, that's all I wanted to do. It wasn't a big deal for me to walk out of college, walk into a newsroom and get an internship like I did. I had covered the Fab Five. I had been a student intern through Sports Information at Michigan. Again, I'm dating myself. And as soon as Fox 50 in Detroit found out that I did that, I was there for a tour. They offered me a job as an intern, and I was a, an assistant um, or a freelance sports producer like six months later walking out of college. But, hey, I was doing the Sunday night show, and we'd go out for drinks at midnight, and that was my life. This is what I signed up for. I was already in college going back after, you know, the Fab Five hit the road. I'd go to the bar with my buddies, game over, go to the office at midnight after having a few pops, put in the Mac and stats. I'm back at two. This was already my life. I was in it and I didn't even think about it. The years go on, you invest more time and realize, wow, my friends have gotten married and had baby showers and there've been funerals and things that I've missed because I'm covering sports. And like, I don't know that I really actively thought about it until maybe 10 plus years in when you realize once you start to think about all the things you're missing, that's when it starts to get. You'd love to have everything all at once and for it all to work out, but it just often doesn't happen that way. So do they know what they're signing up for? A, maybe maybe things are different these days. Or maybe they thought exactly how you and I thought, that they were just in it to, no matter what they had to do and how little they made financially. Um, but I had, an, I had other jobs along the way until I really got, you know, a good enough job to make enough money to barely to barely support myself. So you do what you have to. It wasn't something I thought about all the time. And certainly I knew I had to make sacrifices, but I was all in. I remember there being a Thanksgiving and you go to my, my mom's house for Thanksgiving. And I was there the morning of, but the bears played the late game on Thanksgiving against Dallas. So I was there for like breakfast to say hello. And then I had to leave and my mother was like, where are you going? I'm like, I'm going to Midway because I'm going to go to Dallas because there's a game that I have to cover. And the disconnect that ends up happening, like people, you're right. You miss a lot, but you, you're thinking of it. Like to me, it wasn't even Thanksgiving. It was game day. I cover the team every day. The team's in Dallas. I'm going to go cover the team in Dallas. Now, what was great is the beat was great. We all had like a big Thanksgiving dinner at at a steakhouse in Dallas that night or whatever it was. I think Peggy headed that up. Nice. Um, of course she did. Of course. because That totally sounds like Peggy, whom I love, by the way. But I, I don't think people get it. Like, I, I, I don't think you understand. Like, sometimes people don't understand that, that there are lots of things that we miss out on. And, and I feel like you found a pretty good balance right now of understanding that and then acting upon it i mean and now and like it took meeting the love of my life and having kids to get there and i am so grateful that i actually get to have holidays with them because there were so many as you mentioned that with my family i I just didn't and they had to accept that Mm -hmm. it was just part of it right i mean i too i you you made me think of a story when i covered the sabers in buffalo and i was their beat reporter on Christmas Eve, they went to a hospital to, to you know, kind of see sick kids. And I had never done that with a team before. I had been with them on Thanksgiving. But 
here they were going in and I was shell shocked and I was a wreck because I had, I couldn't handle seeing these sick kids in their hospital beds, some of them with no family on Christmas Eve. And I was, I could barely do my story. I was crying in the hallway and the community um, relations director was like, Barry, I know how you feel. This is not my first rodeo with this. I, you got to pull it together. I mean, I literally needed a pep talk. And then I remember finishing and driving home and I, I cried half the way home from Buffalo to spend Christmas with my family because I just couldn't stop thinking about these kids. And I, re- I remember like that was my holiday. I got to be home for Christmas, but I was a wreck. I could not get past. Wow. They not just it was amazing. They went to visit these sick kids. I was conducting interviews with tears streaming down my face. So, yes, I've been there in those circumstances where you're not just covering a game. But for me, it just happened to be a hospital visit on on Christmas Eve. What's interesting about that to me is in sports and in journalism overall, the emotion is removed. We are supposed to be objective spectators. We are there to chronicle what happens. So there's this automatic switch that goes off. When you go cover a game, you know not to to cheer in the press box. You're supposed to be there to tell the story as objectively as possible. And we're not prepared for something like that. No, no way. Because who would be prepared? Like, you can't hit the switch nope. when you see that. Because it has nothing to do with winners or losers. It has to do with sick children without families on Christmas. It, it's a... It's a it's a thing that we all have to do and have to learn how to do. The unlearning of that is uh, difficult. I will tell you that when you talk about removing emotion from sports, I am now a total sap. Like a team could win. I don't even know. I'm not even connected. And I've got tears in my eyes. Like, this is so amazing. I'm so happy for them. And like, I could cry, you know, the drop of a hat to a team for about a team that I'm not remotely connected to because now I can kind of be a fan. I mean, not just kind of, I can. And it doesn't matter if I know a thing about them. I'm 100% moved by all things in sports and the great stories and the E60s and the special stuff. That Tom Rinaldi coming out it. here making you cry every week <laughs> on college game day. It's embarrassing to say, but like literally it happened to me at work today. I was looking something up and I was, I had tears in my eyes. What is wrong with me? It happens. It, it really does happen. All right. I'm going to take the tears out of your eyes for a second. Can we talk about rugby? Yes, sir. So how in the world do, do you end up a rugger? Ah, so funny story about that. Um, I played softball in college and uh, softball in high school and then in college. But And there was this opportunity. I went to an all-girls Catholic preparatory school for young women and there was this opportunity to play powder puff football in my community. And oh, my-, my God. That You want to see something vicious? <laughs> Go to any high school's pow- powder, powder puff, puff game. Wow. So apparently my dad knew something about that and was like, if you want to have any career in softball and you don't want to kill your knees, I suggest you don't play. Okay, so I go on and... Um, unfortunately, I broke my thumb the day before my senior season when I was expecting great things, and I still ended up with honors and started every game and played with the cast, yada, yada. But I apparently had not gotten rid of this feeling that I needed to play tough girl sport. Now, I had grown up playing sports of all kinds with my brother and all of his buddies um, in the neighborhood. I mean, we played basketball and football and baseball every day. And I definitely became the athlete I was because I played with these guys all the time. But the whole football thing, I don't know that it was really my thing, but apparently it just created something in me. Like, I liked tougher sports. So I go to Michigan, and I had walked on the softball team midway through my career at Michigan, so I wasn't playing right away, but I was playing all these intramural sports with guys. You know, I told you I went to an all-girls high school. I go off to college. I'm living in a co-ed dorm, like hanging with the guys, playing intramural flag football and all this great stuff. And then a friend of mine from... High school ends up there, and she's like, hey, there's, like, tryouts for rugby. And I'm like, I have no clue how to play rugby. I've never seen it. I don't know anything about it, but sure. So we go out there, and we end up doing so well playing this club sport that we both get invited to Eagles camp after our first season. So I was essentially, like, the equivalent of a running back. I will definitely say, I don't want to toot my horn, but I was fast. 
I don't think my legs can move me that fast anymore, but I was fast. So I only, of course, got hurt the day my parents finally came to see a game. Oh, no. Of course. But it wasn't a big deal. I just tried to break through two tackles and somebody kind of kneed me in the quad. So I had like bleeding in the muscle or something. It was like, and I had oh, a black yeah, eye. No big deal. I had a black eye. I totally remember fine. we used to practice in the Michigan field house and the lacrosse players, like we would practice late, of course. The lacrosse players would come in and I remember I had a black eye from, I don't know what. And someone said later, yeah, I think you scared the lacrosse players with your black eye. I'm like, I mean, they play lacrosse. This stuff happens. Uh, and so that's how I ended up playing. We had a coach who had been on the Wales national team, um, and he was so good, except we didn't learn a lot of the kicking game. And we went to nationals, nationals in D.C., and we had our butts kicked by Air Force, like all these teams that were varsity teams, and here we're a club sport. But it was such a great experience, such a great experience, and I loved it. Um, and so, of course, I'll probably have major head trauma. <laughs> Maybe. It's nothing to joke about, but I loved it. I still do. What was your favorite moment playing? I, I don't know if I have a favorite moment. I think just overall that I was able to learn a sport and be a part of a sport that I had never been a part of. And I will definitely say there were times when I felt like out-of-body experiences when we played the old girls who were the graduate players or girls who had been, women who had been on the team and then had gone on to graduate. And there was this one woman who had this reputation and she wasn't that big for like absolutely crushing people. And sure enough, she laid someone out that game and the ambulance had to drive onto the field. I mean, I saw some seriously crazy stuff. I think my first game I'm sitting on the sidelines and the men's teams would play in front of us. And I happened to look up and I'm seeing like just in my line of view, this guy came off the, he, he was in the, in the scrum he comes off the field, like basically blood dripping down the center of his forehead, down his nose and his chin. And I'm like, and I'm playing this sport. Woohoo. Fortunately, I avoided any major injury, but I, I still, I love now my challenge, if I can't cover sports, is I've taken up like um, obstacle course races, like Tough I saw, Mudder. I saw some of the stuff with you doing the Tough Mudder and it made all the sense in the world yeah. to me. But it's not like you're not going up against someone. It's the camaraderie that I love about those. I'm hoping to to do a Spartan and the Murph this year. That's on my bucket list. Wait, what's the Murph? So the Murph is, oh, shoot, I should know his name. It's I guess he's a former Marine or former Navy SEAL. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that. Okay. I know what you're talking about now. And the workout is like, I want to say like 100 pull-ups, <sighs> 200 push-ups, um, uh, 200 squats and maybe like running a mile and it's all supposed to be with like a 30 to 40 pound weighted vest which I will not do and I can tell you I have never met a pull up that I've liked I don't even know if I could do more than two without great effort although I hear there's ways that you can modify it um, but I love I love love what it stands for some of my again the old neighbors from the city did it last year and so I'm kind of hoping to get in good enough shape to do a couple of those this year. That's how I kind of keep the passion going for sports. And, and I like, again, the camaraderie of some of those where it doesn't matter who's out there on the course, whether you know them or not, you're all helping each other. That's the most amazing part. What are you like in an athletic situation? Competitive, but also helpful. I mean, I'm not like going one-on-one -on -one against someone anymore. It's in there though. Like It totally is. I mean, it's, I can just look at you and like, it's that thing like that it is. it's in there. It is. Um, I think too, though, there's this issue because I remember it like back in the day, I was a pretty good athlete. I was a scrappy point guard in high school and I was again, good at softball. I played a little semi pro fast, um, semi pro baseball after college in this weird league in um, kind of Northern Michigan. And um, so I like the challenge of sports in general and new sports. And these days, when I heard Josh McCown say the other day, when you're 40, your body speaks to you. Oh, God. Hello. You are so right. And so there are times <laughs> that my my mind tells me I can do things and my body is like, hell no. Not anymore, sister. I'm glad that you pointed that out. <laughs> I was joking about this on the radio show, watching Josh McCown play. And I was like, you know, because we're about the same age. So I'm sitting there. I'm rooting. 
I'm rooting for Josh to get out. And also, Josh is super likable. And when he was with the Bears, he was a delight to, to deal with. And I'm sitting there and I'm watching it. And it's like watching yourself. Because as you said, you saw the plays where his mind was telling him, it's 20 years ago, you're about to score. You're about to pick up that first down. <laughs> and he did on one of the plays, on the play where he went around the, towards the sideline, he did. But I was joking on Twitter. I said, this is great, but it's it's about to go bad. And then Forte tweeted back at me. Matt Forte tweeted back. He's like, he looks pretty good. Like literally after Forte sent the tweet. Uh-oh. McCown pulled the ham, pulled the, I was like, that's, that is the 40 year old's rec league life playing out. And on the last play of the game, I was like, oh, Josh, Josh, you thought you were going to run 11 yards in the red zone for a touchdown? <laughs> Caught him on fourth and right? four. You just, you, I felt so bad, but I also recognized it fully. That's exactly how we are. Yeah. You think you go back to, 1920, 25, and you're like, I can totally make that. I can jump over that. I can run through that person if I have to. And you can't. Nope. And like, I feel like this last year has been like my body is just speaking up at every turn. I just, and, and I think too, what happens is having young kids and all the responsibilities, I don't get to play and I work out a decent amount, but actually like, trying to invest in the things that I really love, whether it's a softball team and whatever, it doesn't come up frequently enough. So there was this amazing charity softball tournament out in Elmhurst. They pick a child every year, this charity does, and the fundraisers that they do, the money goes to support the child and his or her family. So one of the things was called this, um, It's just, it was a 16-inch charity softball tournament that was so much fun. I do not love 16-inch. It's not my thing. You're not, not from thing. here. It's just not even not being from here. I just have never loved it. When I found out it was 16 inch, I almost was like, oh, no, thanks. But I really wanted to like get into, you know, get into something, play, you know, have that competition. And I'm practicing just out of practice for it. And I'm running around in the outfield like I've been doing it all summer. And I tweak my hamstring and I still feel that. That was July. (laughs) I'm embarrassed to say this. And I'm like, oh. And this massage therapist I see, get some cabbage and wrap it around. I'm like, dude, I need Ain't more than cabbage on for that. that. So, yeah, I mean, it, that's hard, hard to deal with and hard to handle. I am not a professional athlete. Believe me, I wish I could say that I was and I was working out all the time and stretching and living my best athletic life. And the reality is I'm, I'm not, but I'm still trying I'm to do stuff and stay like in shape and I think that you are. I actually think that you are, you are living it. I just think that it's not the same. It's ba- just not the same. But baseball and softball, like I go through this too. Baseball shape is different. It's a muscle group that you're almost never really working. So when you get out there and you try to go full speed doing baseball stuff, which of course I did. Of course you did. <laughs> it's going to end up that way. Yep. You're going to end up going, "Oh, I'm really sore and I can't really walk. You know what though? I got I got something for you. The Hypervolt. What's that? The Hypervolt is this incredible new, it's my new happy tool. It is this basically a powerful personal massage tool with three or four like different heads that you can put on, flat round. There's one that has like two knobs, and that thing has so much power that you almost don't need a massage. Take that thing, you stick it in, you know, the back, the shoulder, the hamstring, go run five miles. Feel really good about it. Hypervolt. All right. You I'm, heard it here. I am putting that on the list, the the, the hypervolt. You okay. know you're getting old when you are happy that you got something like that for Christmas. Life changer. I mean, Life I changer. get that. I'm I'm I completely understand where you're coming from. Like I stopped running, like I hurt my knees. I enjoyed running. And you're talking about Dion. Like Dion is my uh She's like my guru yes. because she runs like all the time. And so we were having a conversation about running and getting older. And obviously, like, I'm a lot heavier than Dion is. So I was telling her how I needed to give running up for a little while. So I gave it up for the whole, like, 2019, like, running season. But it calls to you. It does. 
which is weird because running was never my thing when I was younger. Like baseballs and softball, they're anaerobic sports. You run, you stop, you run, you stop. And as I've gotten older, I like the solitary vibe of it. Do a lot of thinking when you run. Absolutely. And so I do the elliptical a lot. Like that's kind of my thing now. But I think that I'm, I got down, like I'm right now, like when we're talking, I'm down like 16 pounds. Good for you. So there's another 10 I want to go before spring running season comes around. And then I'm going to see what my knees feel like. And then we'll see what happens after that. I had a dream the other night. Like this is how I know it's so serious, Carrie. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. I had a dream the other night I was running a 5K in London. London? I don't know why. I've never been to London. (laughs) That's so random. And I was like running the streets of London. And I was like, this feels great. So I don't know what. It's a sign. It must be some sort of weird. You and Mel planning to travel to London She loves London. She went to London last year. She went uh, on her, She went by herself. Like I was working and I was in spring training. She went to London by herself and loved Good it. Girl. And I think she, she did like she told me that I think she walked like fourteen miles a day because wow, she I wanted to see everything in London. And there is a lot to see. There is. There's a ton. So I'm with you. Like the 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 hunger pangs that end up with some of the athletic stuff is really hard to let go of it for is. sure. Well, I don't. I hope to not fully let go of it. But again, I now have to pick and choose. And then I have to train. I can't just get up and do it anymore. Doesn't happen that way. But it gives me a chance to still hang with my peeps and do some things with some girlfriends and some new groups. Like some of my Elmhurst friends are going to try and do the Spartan. And I'm sure we'll combine some of the city friends and everyone's going to play nice together. That's awesome. How did decades come about? Wow. So I don't know if you ever heard this story, but I met the producer who created Decades at Spiegel's son's, like, maybe second or third birthday party. Get out of here. No. Um, There's a guy named Patrick Baldwin who I happened to meet at the party, and we talked a little bit. His ex, uh, Spiegel's ex, said, hey, I need you to, I want you to meet my friend Patrick. And he started telling me about what he was doing, and he's like, hey, you should come in. And at that time... I don't even know that I knew that I was going in to audition for decades. I think I thought I was going in to do some voiceover work. And then I get there or audition to do some voiceover work. And then I get there and he's like, hey, did I tell you about the show we're doing? No. And he shows me this kind of pilot with Bill Curtis hosting. And he's like, well, I created the show for Bill, but we're looking for a co-host. So fast forward The auditions took almost three months. And by the time he said, hey, we're down to the final two and you're one of the two people, I was three months pregnant with my son. So then it was like, whoa. I kind of thought it was off the table. So I said, hey, full disclosure, uh, I am three months pregnant and I'm going to give you an out here. If you don't want, they probably, you know, you can't come out and say, you know, hey, I'll get sued if you tell me I'm not, we're not hiring you because you're going to grow very fat on the air. Um, so I just said I totally give you an out. Um, I would love an opportunity to be a part of things. But in my head, I was thinking, gosh, the, this would be a great job in two years. It was not nights, holidays and weekends. It wasn't even live TV, but a chance for me to kind of stay in the TV wheelhouse and stay in things without having to make the sacrifices I was to be full time in sports. And he's like, well, you know, we weren't going to just have one person, but maybe we could split the job. And I'm thinking they're not going to split the job. They split the job. So Ellie Pai Hong, who used to do mornings at NBC5. I love she Ellie. She the morning show. She is a lovely person. I've been to Ellie's house. Really? Mm-hmm. I'll have to talk to her about that. Just to say hi. Like she was a... Uh... When she was at Channel 5, I was at Channel 5. Uh-huh. So we know each you other that way. Uh-huh. Yeah. She, good people. She's great. She's, besides the fact, she's like fashion maven. Yes, she she's is. tiny. She's, I mean, she's just, yeah, she's my idol. Oh, but it good. Is, it is good to work with her. We came, though, with very different backgrounds. So she had this respectable news background, you know, very authoritative and soft-spoken. And here I am talking a mile a minute, and I like to joke and trying to be serious for this On This Day in History show. It took some time. Like, I was kind of like, 
maybe I'm not what they thought I was. Mm. I'm not sure. They kept saying, well, your read rate is a much quicker than Bill's and Ellie's, so we got to get you to slow down rather than have them speed up. And there was a time I was starting to get nervous. Like, I don't know how much more I can slow down. But things turned out well, and I've gotten a lot of the sports stories. We don't, We didn't write a lot of our own stories, but we wrote enough. And so Patrick was kind enough to keep feeding me with sports stories when I got to write, and that wasn't all I wrote. But it's been an interesting um, shift to go from, you know, immersing yourself in sports and everything that was about every team to doing stories from when you're a child and going, I didn't remember that that hap- that that's how that story ended. Or I totally remember that, remember that show. I don't remember what happened. I remember that time in politics and it's been very interesting. Um, and what's something that blew your mind? What's one of the things that they had you in the studio and you were like, Whoa, I think some of the things it was more like there's been so many stories that have blown my mind that, you know, it happened long before our time. But I think being a part of, they did these 12 standalone specials called Decades Presents. And I got to be a part of the women's rights show where I was essentially fronting the show. And, I mean, these were stories that took months, you know, maybe six weeks for the for the producers, the writers to write. And to be part of the sports, 1968 sports. So it was basically 12 um documentaries on 1968 and so it was sports and women's rights and politics and all sorts of things and I got to front the sports and the women's rights and looking back to you know kind of this push for women's rights and again some of the some of the amazing events and things that happened in 1968 that was so pivotal being a part of that even though I didn't write it that to me was huge just you know something that's just important to you and special to you in your wheelhouse to be able to be a part of that. I think one thing that was, I won't say this blew me away, but it was one of the more exciting um, stories I got to work on, but also a huge challenge was to write the story on the miracle on ice without hardly any assets. Like we weren't allowed to use so much of the video. So to be creative, to cover an 11 minute piece, that to me was, and it was so exciting to relive that and be kind of immersed in that story for three or so weeks. That was probably one of my favorite moments because it was, you know, miracle on ice. Who doesn't remember that? Who doesn't just love that moment in sports history? Um, and to say that I actually wrote an 11 minute piece and we figured out how to, you know, be creative in covering it because of our limitations with assets and things Here's like that. Here's a still. Here's a radio call. Here's. here's I remember ordering fake snow from Amazon Prime now. And in two hours, there goes the photographer. They went to an ice rink and they were shooting all these empty nets. You know, he was also a hockey player. So he brought his skates and he's taking these shots in an empty net with a million lights. And he was, it was a pretty big That's production. Dope. It was cool. That's really cool. Does one ever get over being in a room with an icon like Bill Curtis? Oh, my gosh. Well, first I will say I don't get nearly to spend nearly enough time with him. Ellie and I usually shoot on Mondays and Bill shoots on Tuesdays. But I will tell you, I was surprised at how kind he was and how gracious and funny because really with who he is, he could be a total jerk. And he is exactly the opposite. I love that man. It has been just such a pleasure to be associated with him because of the show to have the opportunities to talk with him when I have um he's just been it's been so amazing to be a part of a show that he's the main anchor of I always say like he's the main show and you know we're just along for the ride it's not quite true but it's been it's been a great experience I had a a text exchange with Paula Ferris because she Paula's one of like she's one of the people that I leaned on when I was doing sports casting. Her and Peggy were great to me. Yeah. So now to see Paula doing what she's doing for Good Morning America, I ran across a situation where I was offered an opportunity for a television show that wasn't sports. Hmm. And I figured Paula would be a great person to talk to you about this. And so she gave me some advice about it, about leaving sports. And she actually was pro. She was like, you should do it. 
because you never know what door it's going to open up. Turns out I'm afraid of change. So, <laughs> no. yeah. So uh, that's why I've been at the score for 22 years. Uh, <laughs> so I, I decided against it. I, I will say, though, I did have a moment last week where I was going, yeah, you made the right decision because it would have entailed me getting up at 2.30 in the morning. Ouch. And I don't think that would have been a lot of fun. I say all of that to ask you this. Are you, how surprised are you by the doors that have opened up for you since leaving sports? Because I would imagine it was terrifying for you to walk away from sports and be like, okay, pregnant. They split the job in half. I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe I don't want to work anymore after I have the baby. Then you, you get there and it seems like, Everything has been more than fine. It's even started to branch off into different directions. So it was scary. And you're right. At that point, I feel like I was maybe here two or three mornings a week doing updates still on Spiegel and Max show. And it was like, am I going to do more? And at that point, I felt like I wasn't really making a conscious decision and trying to look for something else. You're still, again... We talked about trying to find your way and kind of reset your footing. Um, when it got thrown my way, and I, I will definitely tell you that meeting, a chance meeting at Spiegel's house, like when does that happen? It's but crazy. I, I will tell you almost every opportunity I've had has just been the stories I've heard about people trying to find jobs in this business. I have lucked out that each time I've landed in a new job, from the time I walked into that internship that became a freelance sports producership, my first job out of school, almost every job I've landed has either come out of left field or one person connecting me to another. I have lived a charmed life in that sense. You could call it, you know, that someone's looking out for me from above, that this is God's plan. I don't know, but I... I let me tell you that I can't tell you there isn't a week that goes by when I don't say the path that has been chosen for me is not even largely one that I've always chosen. It's just kind of been laid out there. The things that have been thrown my way and, you know, into my universe and I've grasped onto, I feel like some of it, you think like, oh, how did that happen? You must have really worked hard for that. Well, it was just kind of a chance meeting. So I think um, it's 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 a valid question. Like, how scary was it? You know, was it a hard decision for you to make? It came my way. It turned out that if it would have been just me, they were hiring one person. I don't know if I would have said yes. It was too perfect for me to say no. And it, you're right; it has. There have been other projects now that have come up that I am incredibly passionate about. Weigel Broadcasting, who is the parent company of Decades, purchased a. They're good folks over there. They are. Very good to work for. They purchased a network called Start TV, which features 18 dramas that all have a strong female lead. And we started to do this um, women's empowerment video series where we have spoken to women from all walks of life, professions, gender, race. And it's called My Start Story. And essentially is a very, very small version of these podcasts. Like, who are you? How'd you get your start? Did you make a change or a transition? What hardships have you overcome in your life? And it has been so inspiring and so empowering, even in the stage that I'm at. I can't wait to show these to my daughter when she gets old enough. So that's come up. There's just so many things have been thrown in my path. And I wish I could say, I mean, I worked hard to get into sports broadcasting and to stay there. But there have been so many things that have been thrown my way that I just honestly feel so incredibly blessed. I don't know how. I've been this lucky that I've had opportunities. And sure, once you get there, you have to maintain that. I don't know if I would have chosen this path if it wouldn't have been laid out the way it was. But it's been great. It's allowed me to continue doing some things that I love. And again, to be a good, a good wife, to be a, a, a good mom, and to be there for everyone. To feel like I'm also feeding my soul. What advice would you give someone... That wanted that one wanted your old on air life, hmm. and wants your current on air life. 
Wow. Um, the old on-air life, just, again, be ready to be all in. You have to be willing to sacrifice pretty much anything and everything. And if you have a plan of how things are going to go, you better lose it because you have to kind of ride the wave. You have to be ready to go someplace else, um, you know, to, to potentially be in places you don't want to be. You potentially have to take another job to support yourself. There's a lot of things you have to be willing to do. And if you have any preset notions of what it's going to be like, you better let go. Now, you can have it all. You can have a family and a job and kids, but it does not get easy. Like What, what do they say? Anything worth having is, isn't easy or? Worth fighting for. There you go. Um, it's work. I mean, I love my husband. I love my kids. I said to you, this is, it's hard. Some days it's really hard and it's, and you don't get a lot of your own time and space, but putting effort into it the way you would a job, um, you know, if you want to be good at something, you just have to put your all into it and network. And it takes a village to raise kids. It takes a village to do everything, to get you out of the house, to help raise your kids, to teach your kids and to accept help. When it's out there and also be giving help and offering it along the way. And and, and the whole notion of um, reach back as you climb, mm-hmm. that's happened to me. And I absolutely pass it along and will continue to because there are a handful of people that helped me get to where I am that I still think back on. The, the person who called me into it, the producer that called me into his office every day for probably three months when I started that job in Buffalo as a hockey beat reporter. I used to call it the walk of shame. And then the day I came in and he's like, just wanted to tell you, you're good now. Like, I still remember that. I remember that John DeMurl was his name. I'll never forget that. He took the time and invested in me. That doesn't happen in this business. Nobody has time. So I, I remember that. Um, and, and so... Yeah. Again, the advice is let go of preconceived notions, be willing and ready to reinvent yourself and um, just help others along the way because it's the right thing to do. You're a ray of sunshine. I've missed you. I have missed you, too. I now forgive you for forgetting. (laughs) I love you again. (sighs) I just, just watching you walk through the score and like the smiles that happened when people saw you. That's a gift. Thanks. Well, I loved being here and the friendships and relationships. We didn't always have a lot of time to hang out together, but I was here for, for quite a while. Yeah, you were. It was good. I was. I told you I was a little nervous to come back in here today, but it's been nothing but amazing to be back and see you all again, especially you. Thank you for, you have been trying to get me to come in for things for a while and it just wasn't happening and I'm sorry, but I'm so glad this worked out. It's all good. This is a, a good way to... I, I mean, look, we we could go on because I had all sorts of thoughts about us and a show and oh yeah really? yeah. I mean, I guess do that tell. those things could end up playing out. I guess I do own a small media company now. I guess I could do something and you know and make that I'm probably for hire part time. <laughs> That's kidding. true. Maybe not right now. Maybe not right now. Yeah, well, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see after you're done with Tough Mutter. We'll see. Oh, geez. See if I'm you, still alive, is if, that what you mean? If you survive the Spartan race, then we can have a, a longer conversation. But Really? All right. Well, I'll remember to text you. Thank you for this. Indeed. It was uh, delightful. It was more delightful than I thought. And I was like, I can't wait to see her. More so. delightful than you thought. Did you underestimate me? I think I did. <laughs> I think this is this is uh, something that I have to, it's going to burrow in my brain. Mm-hmm. Don't forget that Carrie was at your wedding. <laughs> I'm sure you'll never forget it. I won't let you. (laughs) And don't underestimate her. You were awesome. Love you. Love you too. So there you have it. You have how awesome Carrie Sayers is. I enjoyed talking to her. I'm glad that she made herself available to sit down and really talk about a whole bunch of stuff for an hour. And um, thanks to Shane Reardon. He uh, he helped me out on this one because it was one of those days where I thought that I had a I do these like after hours. And I thought that I had a studio book, but Joe was doing stuff and radio.com was doing stuff and I totally screwed it up. And Shane was nice enough to kind of bogart in and get me a studio over on the BBM side. So I thank him for that. 
even though I still struggle with making that studio work. I'm telling you, eventually House of L is literally just going to be at my house. <laughs> now I'm just going to start inviting people over and doing Zooms with people and all that good stuff. Because sometimes the, the, the studio space is not always ideal. But when you're doing an extra project, you got to be grateful for what it is that you get. Any hoozle. Let me get to your emails. If you'd like to email the podcast, you can. House of L email. That's not right, Lawrence. House of L podcast at gmail.com. House of L podcast at gmail.com. This one is from Michael. Oh, man. It's a, it's a, a sports one. You know what? We're going to just go right past that. This is from Mike. Another Mike who says, Lawrence, this is going to sound strange, so bear with me, please. A few years back, you and I had a bit of an exchange on social media. I was complaining about the score and you as a host on Facebook in pure meathead fashion. And to my surprise, you got the message and responded. Do you know what you got? Why you got it? Because I was a fan of your page and Facebook ended up tagging you. So in other words, I complained but still listened. You called me out and went back and forth a bit. Why am I telling you this? Well, because since that day, I made a point to truly listen to you. And you know what? Today, I don't miss a thing you do. NBC Sports, the Score, House of L, Loho Daily, etc. And it's because I find you to be incredibly genuine. You not only are insightful in how you cover topics, but also genuine how you pro- your approach and delivery. You've opened my eyes to many things. So many people via House of L, a.k.a. Michelle McMahon, is awesome. And I just want to say thank you for being great and genuine at what you do. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. I really do. Um, This guy says, as a former hater, now one of your biggest fans. That's what I do, man. I convert people. That's how I roll. That's how I roll. But I do thank you for turning around. You know, it's funny because people sometimes, like I had this happen. I had this happen um, at... I did an event with the 108 guys and Socks Machine. Socks Machine. Where this guy come up to me and he's like, you blocked me on Twitter. And I'm like, yep. Can you unblock me? No. No. I think I've unblocked one person. And the rest, I'm blissfully happy that I've blocked you. Don't need the mental space. Don't need you in that mental space. And I would say that if you hate me, why should you get to see my content? Huh? Huh? You can listen to the radio show all you want, but I don't have to interact with you on Twitter or Instagram. But I thank you for for turning around and seeing some of the stuff that I do. And I appreciate you like the stuff on the podcast. Like, I love talking to different people and hearing their story. Like, what I love about Carrie's story is here you have someone that thought they were going to be in sports forever. And now they've made this left turn and she's doing such cool stuff. I always thought that Carrie and I would make for a good partnership on the air. And, you know, I do this all the time. Like I have my group of Avengers. Like people think that I'm a solo host and I only want to be a solo host, and that's not the case. The case is that I want to find the right partner. And I will tell you that there are a few people who I think that I would partner up with, and Carrie's one of them. Like, she's on the list of if I ever get an opportunity to start picking and choosing, because you don't always get to pick and choose. Sometimes you get, there's a lot of shotgun marriages in, in radio. But if I ever got to pick and choose, she'd be high on the list of people that I'd want to hang out with every day for a few hours talking about all sorts of stuff. As you can tell by the hour that we just did on House of L. So I'm happy that she was able to do it. And I'm happy with the way I get to talk with different people on the podcast. And and let me tell you, I got some heavy hitters coming up in the next couple of weeks. I got some confirmations. That are so exciting. Some people that you have requested. 
some people that I, that have been on my hit list since the podcast started. And it's going to be a fun, fun ride. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. It's very much appreciated. Do us a favor. Tell a friend. Give us a rating. Do that. Give it five stars. Write a review just on Apple. If you're listening on Apple, just go write a, a sentence review because it helps with placement. It's a weird like metric thing. But give us five stars, man. We got like a thousand reviews. Make it a thousand and one or whatever it is. Thanks for listening this week. Shout out to Carrie Sayers. Appreciate her. Talk to you next time. Hey.